Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and a very warm welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Today we will be talking Pickford, Duckman, Tarashai and TV as myself, Phil Kirkbride and the lads discuss all the hot topics from Everson. Uh, joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and a very warm welcome back to Gav Buckland. Gav, how are we? Not too bad, Phil, not too bad. And uh, today I've set the lads a challenge, a goalkeeping challenge, which you'll hear about soon enough when we dive into the conversation about Jordan Pickford. Um, just wanted to kick off, lads. When was the last time um, we watched uh, an, an international Evertonian, if you like, produce a performance like Jordan did in midweek that left us as excited and thrilled as, as his performances <laughs> did in his heroics? Well, I don't want to throw a downer on this straight away, but... Probably the last time I was that excited watching an Everson player perform so well at a World Cup was probably Gary Lineker. And we know what happened then. He was ended up as a Barcelona player a month later. Um, and we've already seen, you know, so a few little, you know, I don't know, warning shots, you know, so fired in some of the, uh, the media outlets about Jordan Pickford's performance, attracting unwarranted attention elsewhere. Uh, but no, I'm absolutely thrilled by it uh, because, as I wrote at the time, I thought the criticism of his performance against Belgium was ridiculous, utterly unwarranted. Uh, Gary Neville and Lee Dixon, especially, or sorry, Lee Dixon's mate via text, which was fairly strange. Uh, it's by being dissected by goalkeeping coaches, and they've you know pointed out why Jordan Pickford was quite correct in you know going for the uh, the uh, the shot Januzaj shot the way he did. So for him to bounce back in the manner he did, I thought was superb. I mean, once again, you know, probably underestimated because you know the, the best save he made wasn't repeated at the time because it, you know Colombia scored from the corner soon afterwards. And the, the, the lesser spotted replay. Exactly, exactly. And you could tell the you know the criticism had played on his mind because in his immediate post-match interview. He spoke about being, you know, too small. I might be small, but I'm powerful and agile. You know, clearly a lot's being you know, going on in his head. So that underlines the mental strength the lad's got to actually put that behind him and produce a performance as good as that. So yeah, absolutely delighted. Uh, long time since we've seen a player perform as well as that at the World Cup. Uh, I know you're going to throw Tim Howard in there, but let somebody else do that. <laughs> Gav, is, <laughs> so it, great. is Tim Howard yours, or is it is somebody you maybe be played in the Euros? Or gone? I was going to say. I Answered me to tell him to be weighing at the 2004 Euros and like, oh, that that that's the one that came to yeah. mind for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he went thereafter, didn't he? Shortly after, so there's yeah. a, um, it's a precedent, I think. Um, I think the World Cup, I think, Lineker in 86. Well, it wasn't just Lineker in 86, actually, the four Everton plays in 86, to be fair. Well, yeah, Peter Reid and yeah. Stephen and Stevens yeah. who turned things around after we've got one point from our opening two uh, great matches. So I would have to say. Um, at, at World Cup, the whole 1986 um, tournament in terms of the Everton contribution to, to England's uh, run to the quarters. I'd as chairman of the Tim Cahill fan club, would it have been this volley in Brazil last well, time you, around? You've read my mind on Tim Cahill, but I don't think he was at Everton still in 2014. Of course, sorry, he wasn't. Of course. So I have to rule that one out, but I will go for Tim Cahill in 2006 when he scores Australia's first ever goal of the World Cup. Lovely, yeah. I have to say, felt a lot of pride for the little Aussie there. Definitely. 
Loved There's it. been a few mad ones. I remember in '98 as well, Precky. Remember him scoring the uh, yeah. was it the goal that beat Iran or something. He was uh, yeah. There's been, been a few. There's been a few like you know, sort of under the radar ones that we weren't expecting to perform particularly well. We signed Daniel Amakachi on the strength of a World Cup. Oh, no, yeah. That didn't end up too badly. Yeah, I mean, I think it was for years. I mean, Limpar played the third place game, didn't he? That was the only game in '94. So been fitful hasn't it I think I think last time we had six or seven players in 2014 maybe was it was it three this year so uh, more quality this year hopefully uh, as, as it has been proved but I agree with just just as an aside I, I agree with Evan Mopran I was saying there about Pickford I think big show of character which he's had to have really in his Premier League career thus far if you think about it at Sunderland and uh, it was a difficult season for us last year and he, he could have could have struggled there but he actually was the shining light really, and we would have been far worse off. And I think that's testimony to his to his personality. Mm. Indeed, um, staying with Jordan, um, Marca, the Spanish news outlet, which is widely accepted as the uh, mouthpiece of Real Madrid. Apologies if I've got that wrong for anybody in Spain, but that is how it's widely accepted. Um, to this week, um, devoted quite a large chunk of their paper to Jordan Pickford, to our surprise, Preno. Um, and usually, when these sort of things happen and players are given profiles in marker, it tends to mean that Madrid have started looking at that player or have got an interest. When you saw it, worried? Raised an eyebrow, I think, rather than worried. I mean, it was a, a full page. It actually expanded my knowledge of Spanish because uh, who knew that El Gato meant the cat? I didn't anyway, but I do now. Um, yeah, they looked into his background. They got quotes from Jordi Gomez uh, talking about how well he'd done at Sunderland. And it just made me think, well, you know, he's certainly, you know, raising eyebrows on the continent as well. Uh, Real Madrid have been strongly linked with uh, Thibaut Courtois this summer, you know, so clearly they're looking at goalkeepers out there. And uh, let's hope it was just a celebration of uh, an, a little-known talent on the continent that they thought, you know, so Spanish readers might be interested in. Certainly for one second, don't think Jordan Pickford's interested in going anywhere, you know, so other than Everson at the moment. Uh, but if he develops at the way in which he is developing, we are going to get those um, those transfer stories more and more frequently. I mean, think back to the greatest of all time, you know, son Neville Southall. Happened an awful lot during his career. Manchester United desperately tried to sign him on so many occasions to the point by where Alex Ferguson actually rang him. I think it's called tapping up these days. And Neville <laughs> it being, was called tapping up then, to no, be fair. Yeah, ne yeah. Neville being Neville told him in no uncertain terms to f off because he thought it was Andy Gray winding him up. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Ferguson rang him back and says, "No, no, no, it was Alex Ferguson." Anyway, Neville, I think, uh, decided he wasn't going elsewhere. Everson back then was it a seven-year contract they tied him up with on in the yeah. Colin Harvey era? Alan Pard, US contract levels. Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely you know because he was so good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's absolutely one of the greatest out there, and you know, we stuck with Everson for the whole of his career. We hope Jordan Pickford will do likewise. But uh, no, I raised an eyebrow, that was all, nothing more than that. Gavi, it, it kind of neatly brought back a discussion we had on, on this podcast a number of weeks ago where we discussed Evan's business, if you like, yeah. and, and financial decisions that needed to be made. And if, say for example, I mean, we mentioned Bayern Munich, I think, didn't we? What would happen if a, one of the European giants made an offer for Jordan? Would, do you think now that, you know, does that, does that you know very 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 faint suggestion that Real Madrid could be interested do you think it actually could become a reality rather than something we were just discussing in theory uh, I think what happens in the next couple of games hopefully will, will also influence things if England gets to the semi-final maybe even final which let's face it I'm speaking now on, on the Friday they're capable of and he you know makes a similar saves to what he did on Wednesday then 
and all of a sudden you're the World Cup final goalkeeper without trying to prejudge things. Is it's inevitable that not just Jordan Pickford but other players would be be uh, involved in any sort of transfer discussions? And I, I think I would expect that to happen. As 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 Dave says, though, whether that that you know the reality of that in terms of whether Jordan want to move is a different thing. But you know, so far so good in terms of his personal developments, and it's good for Everton, isn't it? Full stop. Having one of our players in an England team, it's, you know, it's a really high-profile England team as well, and having goalkeepers. And there's so much emphasis on goalkeepers now. I mean, we talk about them a lot more than what we used to in Neville, the Neville's days, yeah. really, Dave. And so I think it, it's good for the profile of the club and, and Jordan himself that he's done he's done well so far, and uh, hopefully that can carry on all the way to you know maybe even the final. He's the latest of those goalkeepers that seems to be very much in vogue at the moment. Uh, is great with his feet. Yeah. Um, he's probably better than most out there with his feet. I um, think he's better than most Everton's outfield well, players. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> and you know that seems to be you know the current fashion, doesn't it? You know certainly Pep Guardiola you know sort of craves goalkeepers like that. So that's also you know another tick in his box. So, fair play to the man that scouted him and brought him to Goodison. Who might that be? Yeah. Daniel <laughs> Walsh. Um, Adam, he's not for sale, though, is he? No. Absolutely not. Like, I don't see any situation at all where it's acceptable that Everton sell Jordan Pickford. Like, I think these performances only go to show, for me, what an amazing attitude that he has. I think he showed it right at the start of his Everton career. You know, he had a, a, a massive price tag over his head. There were some suggestions from others in the media that suggested oh it's just another young English player going for an inflated fee so now I think he's massively proven them wrong I think there's no doubt that he was Everton's best player throughout last season but head and shoulders above everybody else he's come into this tournament and again he's come under what I think is massively unwarranted criticism even coming from Thibaut Courtois which I think was apparently it was all a joke <laughs> it's unprofessional anyway isn't it like, that renowned <laughs> Belgian sense of humour <laughs> you can claim it's all a joke it's massively unprofessional and I think it was really nice that Pickford was the one who brought it up himself at the end of the game because he, he, he wanted to own it be on that side of the story himself and be no I am I'm not the biggest but I, it doesn't stop me from being the best and I think that's the attitude that I, I'd love to see from all of Everton's players, not not just the goalkeeper. And I think it, when you've got a player as good as that, with an attitude as good as that, you can't afford to sell them. Like even even if any massive clubs come in for them, just the answer is no. And just just picking up on the theme of of an international audience for Jordan Pickford, I had a phone call uh, this morning, uh, did an interview with a journalist from L'Equipe, the French newspaper, and he was asking me a few questions about Jordan, and he asked me to name. John's best save of the season sort of put me on the spot a little bit and one that jumped out for me and I'll, I'll, I'll see what you boys you boys think was actually on the opening day of the season yeah. against Stoke when he tipped run around the post against Shakiri, we were holding on to the 1-0 lead and he had yeah. nothing to do and then mm. produced that save that. so I, I, I suggested that one I don't know if you guys want to raise raise a different one or I think that that's the one that stands out to me to be honest it, it, it was almost quite similar to the one in the last minute against uh, Colombia like he, he was going into it pretty cold. I don't think Stoke had really caused that many issues for him going up until like the last couple of minutes of the game and he was called into action to save the points. But obviously it worked out a bit better for Everton than it did for England in the end. But uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. That's that's up there for me. Gav, any, 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 uh, any takers no, on I that? No, I remember that. I just remember last season being consistently good. I mean... I think we've got to understand he's what is he 24 is he 24, 24 yeah, yeah. yeah so 
he's still very much in the developmental stage as a keeper, isn't he? And he's certainly not the finished article, as we said before the World Cup. Um, and he, he can only get better. Matejka, um, I've not been on the pod since the Courtois comments or whatever. Um, it goes back really to what, what a goalkeeper is now. And a goalkeeper's not just a shot stopper, is he? he needs to be a big six foot five unit. They've got to be good on the ball and stuff like this. Agile, so therefore it helps probably more in the modern age if you are maybe you know okay you st- still need to have a presence but six foot one is not necessarily a bad thing if you need to be able to kick the ball around the pitch and things like that did mm. the the, the, the the keep sound like a businessman now don't I <laughs> keep forms indicated for the goalkeeper not just like saving goals now are there's a whole lot of other things that you've got to do like you know like using the ball at your feet I mean, you saw that Courtois himself on Monday rolling the ball out for the Belgium goal, didn't you? There's a lot more in terms of your distribution as well. So it's not necessarily about being six foot five and be able to to go from one end of the goal to the other. But though he seems to do that quite well on <laughs> uh, on, on early on this week, so I, I, that's where I thought it was wrong. You can you can always pick out things with keepers because they are analysed a lot more now, as we say and say, oh, if he was. Such as he had like six fingers, he would have saved that, or he's gone to the wrong hand. Where you've got to judge it like every other player, you've got to judge their entire performance over 90 minutes over the season rather than just say, Oh, he's a poor keeper, he didn't get that, you know. And I think uh, uh, that was the disappointing thing about Courtois. And I think I'm not really too bother about the height issue with uh, Jordan to be fair. Well I, th- I think a really important part of a goalkeeper's makeup, uh, which is never really spoken about is presence and some goalkeepers have it and some goalkeepers don't you can be six foot plus like David Lawson was and be invisible between the goalposts like he was or you can be six foot one like Jordan Pickford is and have presence and I mean, Neville was only six foot one and, but he had this presence about him and you were talking about you know when, when you mentioned a save uh, without prompting us as well I thought oh my god uh, all I could think of was that Stoke game and I'm thinking because that was like such a, a great you know points winning performance but given it a bit more depth while you've been talking a bit more thought while you've been talking there I'm thinking the West Ham penalty save when it was at nil nil at the time, or you know it, it was yeah. tight. Yes, and you know that okay. Eventually, it's overshadowed because Wayne Rooney scores a hat trick and scores from in his own half, and people just like dismiss it. But that was so important, and it was a great penalty save. But the one that Tom cleverly missed as well, which was vital in the uh, you know scheme of last season. Again, Jordan Pickford's presence and you know going the right way, and okay, it went wide, but I just think you know. He did as much to plant seeds of doubt into Tom Cleverley's head than anybody. So I think he has that indefinable quality of, of presence, which is vital, regardless of his size. I think he has it. You know, mm. he has that ability to make strikers aware of him. You know, before they want to be. Okay, this is where the podcast gets interesting. Uh, last <laughs> night, I asked the chaps uh, to produce the top three list of Everton's Premier League goalkeepers. Now it's based on Premier League performances only, and obviously. Indeed, I'm sure that international pedigree would, would come into their, their thinking. So I'll go around the table to produce their three and we'll discuss and see if Jordan Pickford, after just one season at Everton, manages to muscle his way in. Preno, who are your top three Everton Premier League goalkeepers? Uh, top three, I think mine will be very, very similar to uh, Gavin's, I suspect, you know, given the, uh, the, the age of us both. I mean, Neville was past his best uh, in the Premier League era. Uh, but from 92, which is when the Premier League started, he still had several very, very good seasons left in him. For me, his absolute peak was probably 85, 84 through to about 89, 90, maybe even beyond 91, 92. Then he was absolutely peerless, uh, but he still had plenty left. Some great performances in that time scale. 
uh, man of the match arguably in the 1995 FA Cup final even though he didn't have a great deal to do that day uh, so Neville has to be there in any kind of arguments the obvious one for me is Nigel Martin um, absolutely top top goalkeeper and an absolute tragedy that Everton never signed him when they should have done when he was left moping around the Park Foods entrance uh, atrium <laughs> Uh, and actually given the directions to go to Leeds by Cliff Finch what were you doing Cliff dear dear um, it was it was right into his Cliff oh, it, it was just it, it was ridiculous and all kinds of strange things happened in that era Everton nearly signed Mark Schwarzer as well and uh, I remember um, Joe Royal telling me that he was sat at home when Peter Johnson rang him after I think he was playing for Chesterfield at the time they were playing Middlesbrough in the League Cup semi-final and he was having a sensational game Middlesbrough signed him and Peter rang Joe said Joe this, this goalkeeper was rather good why didn't we sign him <laughs> Joe said he could have strangled him <laughs> after that so those two you know absolutely nailed on I think Neville and Nigel Martin and from then you can't pick Jordan Pickford I don't think because you know he's only had the one yeah. season uh, he's still you know settling in and despite the way some people will you know raise eyebrows at you know the way and the speed at which his career decelerated and declined right at the end Tim Howard was an excellent servant for Everton Football Club you know for a long long time um, not quite in the other class of the two I've mentioned but you know certainly you know sort of up there so they would be my three there are plenty of others I could give you know nods to but I won't steal anybody's thunder so you know I'll pass the enough, that on. saves off the three I was going to mention but um, I think I agree with you about Nev I mean I'll talk about Nigel Martin who came to Everton I think really is back up to uh, Richard Rice originally uh, in 2003 and I think he, he came on when uh, Wright got injured I think it was against Newcastle I think at Goodison uh, one of his many sort of unusual yeah, injuries many calamities yeah. and uh, he then kept his uh, kept his first team place really for two and a half years until he, he finished up when he was, he was 40 and he was absolutely top quality in that time I mean he, he did more than anybody to secure the fourth place finish in 2005 and he produced even comparing them to Nev one of the great goalkeeping or individual 11 performance I've ever seen in my life at Anfield in January 2004 yeah. in the Anfield derby when it was it was nil nil and his battle with Steven Gerrard that day he tried everything to score past them and Nigel was saving everything arms legs head everything uh, was is, is still one of the, the standouts Everton performances that I've seen in like you know forty odd years of watching watching them, uh, and he would be even allowing for the fact that Nev was still good in the in the mid nineties. He he probably was around then you know as good good as Southall. Uh, Howard, I've got a lot more doubts about. Um, I thought from about two thousand and ten onwards he was on the on the downward uh, slope. I always felt with Tim that. Um, I always like that triangle of goalkeeper and two centre halves, and I think him and Jackie Elkin and Lescott were really had the boxed off in the same way that like Waggy, Kevin Ratcliffe, and Neville mm. Southall had it boxed off in Nev's peak years. Uh, and I, I always felt that once Lescott went and Distan came in, Howard was not the same keeper. And I think you mentioned Preno about that time. Oh, this time was a fourth for more goals than, than any other. Well, but that, that was great. I mean, yeah, David, yeah, David yeah. Moy spoke to us yeah. at the end of one season and said he told all the coaching staff to go away and to detail every goal Everton had conceded that season and give, I think it was three points if you were directly responsible for a goal, two points if you could have done better, one point if you were in the vicinity maybe and, you know, so it could have been positioned better. And uh, back then, no one had questioned Distan at all. He'd had a decent season. And uh, every single one of them came back and said the same thing. Sylvain Distan was responsible for more goals than anybody else. Yeah. And that played on David Moyes' thinking then. Yeah, you know, for future, yeah. Uh, and I hope, but having said that, I just felt that 
if you analysed all our goals from certainly around 2011 onwards, the amount of where you could say Howard could have done better or he was of not not massive clangers. Mm. He's let the ball through his legs. We know where you're thinking yeah. the goalie could have done better there or you know a, a top keeper to save that. And the, the, certainly like 12, 13 Moses last season when we were definitely a Champions League team, the number of goals he conceded when actually we should have, he should have kept out. And I think he he was nowhere near like uh, Martin's class really even throughout his seven career but apart from maybe those couple of years with Jack, Jackson Lescott so those would be my top three uh, so you're going to give us two who's your third no so sorry well I put Neville in there obviously Neville yeah Martin Martin and, and, and Howard but but a very distant oh I see third, you yeah. slaughtered him for like ten minutes but yeah, you're but still picking about that because <laughs> if you think about it I'm saying to Phil before yeah. if you think about it in 26 years of the Premier League in 16-17 season we only had two keepers there's been a couple I mean, yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. I alluded to people you could give nods to Thomas Myra started very very yeah. well and uh, looked like a decent goalkeeper in the making and then had a bit of a fall from grace and didn't really recover from that um, yeah you're right I can't think of too many others that you know Let's, yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to Ad of a different generation. Let's see if you can come up with a different three. Ad, who are your top three Everton Premier League goalkeepers? Well, yeah, seeing as I'm a bit younger, I've not seen Neville Southall play, so I, I can't include him. Like, I can't, I can't sit here and include him and pretend that I know what he what he was no, like. That's, that's fine. So yeah, yeah. I will, I will have Nigel Martin 100 percent by far and away as my top, and I think you two have ex- explained it really well. Uh, Tim Howard is is in there for me because he had a, a good few first seasons at Everton I think his decline was qu- quite swift but he, he made some of his best saves at, at Everton in his last few years I, I seem to remember one when he pulled back on the line yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was yeah. massively out of position yeah. but managed to recover yeah. really well astonishing reflexes yeah, yeah. amazing save he made a really good penalty save against Benteke as well yeah. uh, Aston Villa away when he's pu- pushed it onto the bar mm. so he still had like that gl- the glimpses of a really good goalkeeper mm. but I think he just for me, he just lost the ability to command his area a little bit. Like he had this weird thing of whenever he was running at a player one on one, he seemed to do this like star jump motion, yeah. and yeah. he just knock it in between his legs and score. And I think that was a bit of a joke for me. But third, I've, I've got to put Jordan Pickford in there. Mm-hmm. I think he, mus- <laughs> he muscles his way in. I thought <laughs> he, he might. Ha- he absolutely has to for me. I think some of his some of his performances last season were some of the, some of the best that I've seen from an Everton goalkeeper. I, th- I think he. From such a young age, he seems to have such a better command of his area than I ever saw from Tim Howard that I've seen from any Everton goalkeeper since Nigel Martin, really. And to see, like, as I've already spoke about, the kind of attitude that he's got, like, he seems to have bought into Everton instantly since, since his move from Sunderland. And I think he's, he's only going to go from strength to strength. And I think in a couple of years, everyone will have him as top of their Premier League Everton goalkeepers. But for me, he definitely does get in for now. I think most people would agree when they look down those lists, Southall, Martin, Howard, and obviously Pickford as the, the different name. Everton have actually had some decent first-choice goalkeepers, some very good first-choice goalkeepers in the Premier League era. But has the problem been backup and competition? Is that where, oh, we, yes. is that where we've fallen <laughs> down almost? Stefan Vessels, Carlo Nash, Sander Westerveld, Steve Simonson. Uh, uh, <laughs> Steve Simonson was a world record transfer for you, yeah. we were told, for a goalkeeper. Yeah, I'm okay, yeah. Yeah, it's been a problem, and it's oh, it, it's a problem with a lot of football teams, to be honest, uh, because the loss of a backup goalkeeper is so difficult. You know, you've got to be ready to come in and you know make an impression when you haven't got match rhythm, when you haven't got you know so maybe match sharpness. I think that's why Joel Robles, who's just like left, is probably one of the better backup goalkeepers we've had. 
And there was certainly a spell, you know, when he had that three-month period uh, when Tim Howard was injured, where he deserved to keep his place when Tim Howard was fit again and didn't. And uh, I wish him well at Real Betis because, you know, he's certainly far from the worst backup goalkeeper we've had. But it has been a problem, and it, it's a perennial problem. I mean, Neville Southall had, you know, how many got can think about a dozen that you know so he kept out of the side for a yeah, long long yeah. time and it is, it's tough Jim Arnold and uh, Neville South probably the last time we had two absolutely uh, top class keepers yeah, you know, yeah. So, and, and you know at the same time where you couldn't you know, sort of choose one or the other uh, the, speaking of uh, blast from the past there was I was noticing uh, that Martin Margotson's England Yes, yes. and coach. Yeah. And uh, Prano, who remember the famous day. I was there, 5 yeah, 2 victory. Yeah, yeah. Main Roads, yeah. where he started the game, didn't he? It's the only time in Premier League history where four goalkeepers have played in a game. Yeah, it was yeah. the first time in any game it ever yeah. happened. Yeah, because yeah, that was the first season where they allowed. They extended the substitute so you had to have a keeper. You have to keep in league games. Neville was furious as yeah. well. He got taken off at half time just purely to give Paul Gerrard a game, and uh, <laughs> and he hated him because you know <laughs> what a decision. Because you know, Neville just hated missing matches. It was the middle of the t- you know table end of season game. Absolutely nothing at stake. Peter Swales got egged by the uh, Man City fans. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think Howard did as well, and I think yeah. Matt Margotson got taken off because he had such a poor game. Andy it was Dibble, unusual. Was it? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, and uh, that yeah. was when Howard was there as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and. Uh, Dave, Dave Watson, I think, was either sub or had been subbed. I know because Howard had left City in sort of controversial circumstances. They're all like in Howard as yeah. well, <laughs> but all the, all the exit, Dave Watson. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Howard said after the game, should have known better like, than to sit next to me, like uh, me, you know. But it was just a blast from the past, Martin Margerson, you know, a bit of Everton history there. And Everton won 5 2 that day. Yeah. Great end of season yeah. game. <laughs> uh, so just before we, we leave the goalkeeping situation, move on to a few other topics uh, today. Everton will start pre-season, their pre-season run of fixtures um, until Jordan Pickford returns from international duty with Martin Stecklenberg as first choice and young Matty Hewlett as backup and then probably as third choice as backup, young uh, young Joe Hilton, I would imagine. Assuming, obviously, when Jordan comes back, he will go over as number one. Martin Stecklenberg, you would imagine, would go back to number two. Do we need to sign a third senior goalkeeper like Ronald Koeman had, like Sam Allardyce had, or can we operate with two seniors, allow maybe allow Matty Hewlett to go on loan maybe, and use a, a, a young lad from the academy if necessary, you know, the injury's got that bad? I think we need uh, a senior backup goalkeeper that can, you know, challenge Jordan Pickford. Martin Stecklenberg, I know, is an international goalkeeper, um, but to me, his best days are long behind him now, and I don't think he's going to push Jordan Pickford. He's just basically a goalkeeper who's there to come in on the rare occasions that you might want to give Jordan Pickford a rest. It's going to be interesting, actually, the entire dynamic of uh, youngsters at Everton this season. Um, you know, ideally, you'd like to see you know young players in and around the first team squad getting experience. And going you know slightly off topic, we were talking the other day about uh, you know Davy Classum, and you know Kieran Dowell coming back in from his loan spell at Nottingham Forest, and would he benefit more? from being in and around the squad in the way that Davy Klassen was the start of, start of last season, and I suspect he would. Um, the goalkeeper situation is different. You need experience, you know, so you can't just sit on the bench as a youngster like Matty Hewels and you know, be there to be called upon you know, in case you need it. So I think Everson do need a, a senior goalkeeper who's young, if that makes sense. You know, uh, by senior, I mean experience, a goalkeeper that's played you know, some Premier League football. Do you effectively need Joe Robles 2013 again? Something like Joe Robles, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, a goalkeeper that you know d- does have that ability to you know 
put pressure uh, on Pickford. I mean, he's going to take some pressure rising because, like as we said before, he's such a talented goalkeeper. But we need somebody with a bit more about them than they currently have. Uh, I know that you could look at the entire squad and suggest there's lots of areas that they need to, uh, you know, bring in reinforcements. But I think goalkeeper is also one. Because Gav, you know, heaven forbid, and we have to, you know, you have to plan for these eventualities. Jordan could could get injured. You know, that's not beyond the realm yeah, of possibility. Absolutely. And we obviously in a different position. I remember writing many pieces during the middle of Martinez's reign but what do we do if Rom gets injured he was always fit and available but did pick up injuries now and again and the options were pretty limited he was, he was a runicone effectively wasn't it so are you comfortable with Martin Stecklenburg being the deputy uh, that's a good question um, I think wages might come into this as well I know they're trying to cut the wage bill of the club how many goalkeepers do you want so it's a question of whether you know you say bring another keeper in as you say Premier League standard or whatever you call it and still keep Stecklenburg or do you say to Martin listen we're going to bring another keeper in you're going to be third choice which is sort of there or thereabouts maybe last season uh, and, and I think wages might come into it you know what's the you know the, you know, the chances of you missing you know will you, will you put up the chances of maybe Jordan being injured to save yourself X hundreds of thousands or maybe million pound a season in wages so it, I think that will come into it as well. I, I wouldn't have a problem with Stecklenburg saying f- for the season, unless somebody came up who you thought could really do a job for you. But I certainly wouldn't want five or six keepers knocking around the uh, knocking around the parish. Mm. Have you got a, got a view on this one? I mean, I I do think Everton probably do need a senior goalkeeper, but I don't think it should be any sort of priority. I think defence, as is quite rightly, looks like being worked on first. I think defence is the key priority for me still a midfielder still a winger probably needs needs looking at but after that if, the, if there's if there's time and resources to be spent on scouting out the right fit for a goalkeeper I think Martin Stecklenberg is as good a goalkeeper as he's been in the past he, let's say Pickford did get injured and let's say we went into maybe that Arsenal game early on in the season um, with Martin Stecklenberg in goal I'm not sure I'd feel all that confident that we'd be able to get a result out of that. So I think we need to bring in a, a bit of a younger, more vibrant goalkeeper, as Preno says, that can challenge Pickford. Excellent. We'll, uh, we'll move on from goalkeepers now and rattle through the remaining topics uh, of discussion at Everton this week. Um, RB Leipzig uh, tabled an offer for Adam Ola-Luckman, which was swiftly and firmly rejected with Everton saying he is not for sale. Preno, the absolutely the right decision. 100% yeah you can't be selling you know so you're promising young talents and expect to progress as a football club uh, he could be exciting this season Adam Ola-Luckman I don't want to get too carried away because start of last season you know he showed a little bit of promise um, and was in and out of the side and I, I totally endorsed the decision to take him out of the team when he was taken out uh, because he was losing possession a bit cheaply on occasions but he was you know, showing occasional influences in matches but his progress throughout last season was dramatic um, I still think the turning point in that Watford game, you know, one of the few high points of last season, was Adam Ola-Luckman's introduction. Um, you know, he turned that game by running at the Watford defence and you know being really positive. Uh, likewise, at Anfield in the, the FA Cup tie, you know, he made a significant contribution. He was starting to develop and starting to flourish when bizarrely, you know, he was taken out of the other first team firing line and you know encouraged to go on loan to Derby County. Um, ended up at Leipzig, fair play to the lad for doing that. 
And obviously, he always saw the highlights packages, you know, like little clips on YouTube and what have you of him scoring goals. But it looks like he developed significantly during his time there. Obviously, Marcel Brands and Marco Silva know far more about what he was doing, you know, sort of in Germany. And Marcel Brands' word, you know, he will be, you know, part of the first team setup this season. It speaks volumes. They think he's developed sufficiently. So I'm just quietly optimistic that, you know, he could be a really exciting addition to the first team squad next season and we could see quite a bit more about him. So you're absolutely right that not to sell him. And 12 million quid, I think, is a bit of, a, a bit of an insult, to be honest, for a, a kid who could be as exciting as that. Yeah. Adam, moving on, uh, Shani Tarashai, the forgotten man. He's still an Everton playing. Glad he's asked you about that because I couldn't tell you anything. That's, 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 that's why I've come to Adam. And, uh, <laughs> he's gone on trial with his old club, Grasshopper Zurich. Assuming now that he will leave Everton Football Club permanently this summer after a loan and injury problems, having never made an appearance, having signed in a £3 million deal in January 2016. Did you have any. Any expectation or high hopes that Tarashai could become a first-team player? Are you disappointed that it hasn't worked out? Are you surprised? Are you not surprised? Do you know what? When a, when a player like that first signs, as, as Preno alluded to there, all you've got is like YouTube packages, essentially, to, to help you like have a look at their potential. And I remember having a look at Tarashai when he first signed in that January, and I was thinking, you know what, this, this kid looks all right. He might, he, might, he might be part of the Everton first team in a couple of years if he... Like, performs well enough but it is a real shame for him I think that uh, injury that he picked up when he was on loan at Frankfurt has really really stunted his growth like he's, he's he seems to have really struggled to get back into any sort of playing since since then I think he made a couple of appearances for the under 23s towards the end of last term didn't he but from by all accounts he didn't exactly rip up trees there either so it is a little bit disappointing like it's always disappointing to see like when, when Everton sign a promising youngster you expect them almost to progress because we've got such a, a illustrious history with developing youth players so you always have that little that little thing in the back of your mind thinking oh he might go on to be something special so there's always a little tinge of disappointment when it doesn't seem to work out but I think all Everton fans would wish him all the best of luck Gav I'm going to talk TV to you, to you now <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, the fixtures for Sky and BT Sports uh, opening picks of uh, the August and September games have been announced today. Uh, Evans' opening game with Wolverhampton Wanderers will take place at 5.30 on the Saturday. Uh, the game at home to West Ham has been moved to Sunday and the trip to Arsenal has also been moved to Sunday, uh, shown on Sky. Um, but beyond that, Gav, you mentioned something before we started, bro- uh, started broadcasting this ourselves about the Facebook deal which might have gone under the radar yeah. a little bit this week and I think it's important just just bring everybody yeah, up to speed Facebook have won some of the rights haven't they I think it's a 200, 200 million pound deal in, it, in the Far East and I think as we know with some of the domestic deals not just in, in football in this country and around the world this is very much the way sporting rights are going uh, in the future uh, and it's something that we should be cognizant of in terms of uh, when fixtures are going to be played and I do believe that this will I don't want to get onto the stadium again you know what my thoughts <laughs> on the, are on the capacity is about you know, uh, Robert Selston mentioned future proofing in his, his presentation uh, I think it was at the ADM was it um, the stadium and, and one of the one of the key things that will play into future capacity of the football grounds will be the amount of live television uh, in terms of it's one thing at the moment if you're an Everton fan buying a season ticket if you know you can, you, you'll see nine games or eight games live you know eight games that are not live on the telly 
but the way media rights are going and the domestic rights, especially in this country, that they need to maintain them, they're just giving more and more live games. And when you, you throw in some of the other, you know, like Facebook, whoever, Amazon, eventually all games will be available live at some point. And then buying a season tickets for a football club is a slightly different dynamic then, isn't it? About would you want to... It's a slightly different question, buying a season ticket when you, you can see 10 games that are not live on the telly. On buying a season ticket when all the games are live on the telly, about what's the choice you make? And I, I'm fully... you know, And that's what's happened in, in La Liga and, and Serie A, where you have that arrangement. You know, you see what the attendances are like there. And that is the type of thing that we need to play into the the capacity of the of of of, of uh, Bramley Moore without getting into the figures of it. But it's one of the things I'm sure Robert would have had in the back of his mind when he mentioned the future proofing that TV will ultimately lead to every game being on live, and then you've got further displacements of fixtures perhaps. And so you the spectator then is a different choice. Albeit like live football, is live football at the ground, but it's like it, by the experiences of other countries, the way. Having all that live games being on the telly, that's what's happened to attendances. And Gav, do you think so it's an, an inevitable then? Sorry, do you think it's inevitable then that ultimately, with new packages, new markets being opened up to the Premier League, that kickoff times will be created to suit those markets? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've no, you know, and we're still tied in this country army by the three till five this Saturday afternoon, and we can't have live games on there. Which is a bit of a pointless thing for me, but yeah, it's not it's not beyond the realms of a imagination that you end up in something like Spain, where you just have one game, one game on after the other over the weekend, or maybe some, you know, a ten o'clock in the morning Saturday morning kickoff or eleven in the morning to satisfy, you know, people in the Far East or whatever. And, and I think that's the whole thing that we just need. That's the way the game's going, even before you even consider playing fixtures abroad. So I think we may even look back at the mo- at the moment of so last few years as a sort of golden age of watching football about the amount of games that you can still see at three o'clock, uh, and I think ten years time. I think it'll, if there is such thing as a Premier League in ten years time, I think it'll look uh, look completely different. And uh, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a farce, isn't it? When you see the fixtures at the start of the season, you see all Saturday dates. I think. Person. I just see them what's called match week one. Just, just an order, three, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When you're going to play you games. Know, yeah, it's just uh, you know, like Leeds United apparently on the like a 12:30 of a Saturday. You know, <laughs> and it did the, but what I would say the final thing about ours as soon as I see 5:30 of a Saturday, my heart sinks because mm. our record of 5:30 of a Saturday is absolutely. <laughs> we are well, the whipping oh, boys, me aren't me. Like, it's, it's not oh, just yeah, that; yeah. it's the fact that the because Wolves, you know, Molyneux yeah. is a very very lively atmosphere anyway. Yeah. So a couple more hours of. Uh, Refreshment time uh, means that uh, you know the, the home fans are going to be absolutely bouncing. So that's going to be a formidable atmosphere for that one. Yeah. So that, that's a testing start to the season already. Yeah, I suspect Wolves will be in the, in the area of the table that we are next year, and I think they've got a little bit of ambition there, mm. haven't they? I th- think there'll be somebody to watch uh, next season. Now we're talking about like getting seventh and having to overtake Burnley or whatever, and Leicester will be there. But I think Wolves, I expect to be. He's got a good manager, and I think that'll be a good litmus test of both teams. Uh, ambitions uh, this season Excellent, thank you very much chaps really enjoyed that, loads of uh, stuff to get our teeth stuck into there so really enjoyed it and if you want to uh, offer us your top three goalkeeping list of the Premier League era you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook so uh, drop us a line and uh, share us your thoughts on that but thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo